So, uh, apologies for this, uh, let's say, ramshackle start to the spaces. Just bear with us one second. We had uh, glitch upon glitch upon glitch, but now we've switched uh, who's in control of the Kinetics account, and we've done a bunch of other stuff, and it looks like things are getting off to somewhat of a good start. Now we've got people coming into the space, at least, which is uh, an improvement. Um, I'm just authorizing a bunch of folks, so just bear with us. As you come in, just... Do a quick mic test for me, just say hello, and then we'll know we've got speakers that are live. And then, yeah, so fingers crossed, we'll, we'll be okay now. And thank you for everybody that's been patiently waiting for this. It's, uh, it will be worth the wait, I promise you. Uh, and for our uh, hosts and our guests as well, um, if you have um, retweeted the uh, initial announcement with the uh, now defunct link in it, I would... Really appreciate it if you guys could go back to your main handles and retweet the new link, which has just been posted on the Kinetics Twitter, and then hopefully we'll get somewhere. Uh, Sean, just getting you authorized now. Cool. Okay. So, um, Rock, do you just want to do a quick mic test for me? Just check that I'm not speaking to myself. Hello, hello. Hey, there Good we morning. go. Okay, okay. Things are things are working out this time. That's great. <laughs> good stuff um cool okay so let's just get some of these uh some more of these people authorized just bear with me one second and then we'll do official intros and we'll start the space and hey this week's airdrops right so everybody knows it's going to be worth it i came just hoping we would get airdropped being in the space uh. <laughs> <laughs> well mark uh sorry you will be disappointed I mean, Kinetics is technically running an airdrop right now. So if you do some trading on Kinetics, then you could, in theory, get airdropped, airdrop points whilst you're on the space. Uh, but unfortunately, there'll be no handouts today. Jake, when you can, let's definitely get Eric, Griffin, Red Eye, Bear. He's up here for, for Shade, and we'll we'll make sure. Uh, Nacian, too, is going to, I think they're all on the guest list. So yep, just, I'm sure I'm missing many others. Just authorizing a couple of people right now. Got Mr. Refractor requested as well. Is that one of the official guests? Um, Prism is in the house. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Okay, looks like the guest list is is filling up now, which is great. Cool. Okay. Um. So without delaying things anymore, I know we may have a few more people coming in. Okay, Red Eye Bear, I see you there. Good. Uh, da, 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 da. So we'll be getting some more guests authorized as things go on. Um. But just for the time being. We'll start with some intros so we don't delay this any further. Um, so many of you are returning guests. Um, so shout out to you guys. It's great to have you back. Um, but just for the purposes of this space so that uh, the listeners know who they're listening to, if you guys could just give a brief intro of yourself, your projects and what you do there. Um, so I'll start. I'm Jack. Uh, I'm on the Kinetics account today, so I'm kind of faceless. Um, but I'm Chief Launch Officer at Lunar Digital Assets, which is the marketing and incubation firm 
which Rock runs and also uh, advises and incubates Kinetics. So I'll hand over to you, Rock, if you want to intro. Yeah, good morning. A fun, rough start this morning, but I'm, I'm sure it'll uh, it'll be fun once we get everyone going here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Rock Zacharias. I'm the CEO of Lunar Digital Assets, which is an incubation and marketing firm uh, responsible for projects like Polygon, uh, QuickSwap, which I'm also a co-founder of, um, Doge Chain, and uh, Kinetics, uh, as well as a bunch of others. Uh, yeah, good to meet you guys. Awesome. Great to have you back, Rock. Pleasure as always. Uh, so let's go with Griffin Anderson. Yeah, thanks guys for, for hosting this. Um, just founder of uh, Archway and PyLabs, a core contributor to the Archway ecosystem. Uh, so thanks for hosting this and having me. Nice, great to have you. Eric, do you want to go ahead? Hey guys, uh, co-founder of AstroVault, a returning speaker here. Uh, do a lot of tokenomics work in the space. We are a primary dex built on Archway, as uh, Griffin, the founder of. Uh, and yeah, good to be back. Nice, great to have you as always. Uh, Melch, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, Melch, I'm a lead gen agency serving the Cosmos for the last three years. So doing everything we can to get as many crypto teams, users, and closed partnerships helping co-host this space. So I'll be asking a lot of questions and thank you to everybody from my network that was able to join here. Excited to hear how you guys have uh, designed your airdrops past and future ones. Nice. Great to have you. Great to have you as always, Melch. You're uh, you're an asset to the space. Cool. Okay. So um, Mark from Pith again, great to have you back. Jim, Jim, thanks a lot for having me. Um, so yeah, Mark, I work for the Peace Data Association, uh, contributor, <clears throat> sorry, to the Pith Network. Uh, I do mostly, let's say, BD marketing there. I specialize, let's say, in the DeFi footprint for Pith. Pith blockchain oracle, 400 plus price feeds available on 50 chains, including, of course, Kava with amazing users like Kinetics, Hover, like you, you name it. Uh, so happy to be there again. Yeah, awesome. Great to have you, Mark. Pith is uh, Pith is amazing, and I think um, you'll have some insights to share on the airdrop side because I think you guys did a great job with yours, right? Um, cool. So, Trev, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I can go really quick. Uh, th thanks for having me back as well. Uh, I'm Trevor from the from the incredible Dora Hacks team, with a global leader in, in hackathons, uh, developer onboarding initiatives, that kind of thing. So, if you need anything like that, let me know. Uh, and uh, yeah, we secure a lot of the the networks in Cosmos and beyond, uh, some of which are up here. So thanks for having me back. Usually, when a a a team member would introduce their team as the amazing Dorax team, I would say uh, that's like uh, kind of <laughs> you know like pumping yourself up. But in your case, I, I definitely agree. I think you you run an amazing team. So cool. I'm um, Red Eye Bear. Good. How's it going, guys? Um, my name is Red Eye Bear. I'm here on behalf of Shade Protocol as a contributor. I mostly focus on operations and business development. And uh, for anyone who's not aware of uh, Shade Protocol, Shade is an ecosystem of privacy-preserving DeFi applications that is built on the secret network. Awesome. Great to have you. Love what you guys are doing over there. 
Um, so we got 1.4, rocking a cool uh, PFP. Hey everyone, nice to meet you. Um, I'm Ethan, I lead marketing and community. I love a network. Uh, we just launched the point system and uh, our seed raising uh, announcement and mainnet is coming later this year. Uh, so good to uh, good to see everyone here. Nice, great to have you, Ethan. Um, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, what's going on over there? So, okay, guys, I guess that's most of the intros out of the way. Um, if we've got guests that are trying to request and for some reason aren't showing up for me, then please ping um, either Sean Melch or myself or Anna uh, in one of the groups that we've got or, or just make yourself known in the Into the Cosmos group. Um, just because space has been that buggy today, I wouldn't be surprised if there's requests that aren't going through and stuff. So, just Did we miss a couple uh, speakers' intros? Um, Maybe Griffin? No, we did. We did Griffin from Archway. I'm happy to go if there's a, uh, if there's a, a gap. Yeah. Cool. I am um, one of the founders of, or founder of Prism Protocol, uh, or Prism Zone as we are now, um, which is going to be the uh, layer one um, yield hub uh, built using the Cosmos SDK. Um, we are specializing in um, all things yield. So it's going to be tokenization of future yield and trading of yield. Um, and we are live on testnet at the moment. We're hoping to be on mainnet fairly shortly. And we, uh, you know, currently have a, uh, an airdrop campaign running at the moment and, and something that we've definitely thought a lot about. So excited to uh, join the spaces today and, and hear some perspectives. Awesome. Um, thanks for joining. Really appreciate you uh, committing this time. So I guess um, now that intros are mostly out of the way, um, like I say, if we do have any random uh, more people join, which I think we might have a couple more guests, um, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. I will intro them halfway through, so bear that in mind. Um, so as for getting into the airdrop topic, so the, when we were thinking about this space, um, we we wanted to make it aside from like, you know, our individual teams discussing airdrops that they're aware of or that they, they might have seen in the past. We kind of wanted to make it a little bit of an inf uh, kind of informative discussion about best practice around airdrops, because having seen how a lot of the airdrop tokens played out in the last cycle, there was a lot of um, bold airdrops, some very large, um, some not so and some in between. Um, there was a lot of interesting game theory around airdrops. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to know is um, what would you say to developer teams that are building projects now that are considering an airdrop? Like if anybody has any unique insights for airdrops that they've been a part of or ones that they've seen, um, like where do we stand on best practice around airdrops? Like, you know, we can get into as much detail as you want on this question. So we can talk about percentages or um, just in kind of some of the things that you would think uh, are worthwhile considering so um i don't know if you want to start us off on this one rock if you've got any insights i know you deal with a lot of projects hey sorry i was uh i got distracted by something my apologies what what was the question <laughs> just okay it's all right i'll i'll um it, it's just around um like best practice around airdrops basically to start us off so like some of the things that projects should consider if they're a development team and they're building an airdrop into their tokenomics but um the space is changing pretty fast on this um i guess you can look at projects who've done 
good airdrops. And I guess it depends on what context it's coming from. Like there's chains that are doing airdrops. There's projects themselves that are doing airdrops. I know in Polygon, we've been seeing a lot more airdrops. There used to be a, a ton more airdrops in Cosmos, and it, that's been starting to spin back up. I mean, really, the whole industry—it's been a—it's uh, been uh, gaining momentum again, which is kind of funny. I remember in two thousand and I want to say eighteen, um, it, you know, LDA is an incubation firm, and one of the projects we were incubating, uh, we wanted to do an airdrop, and I remember someone uh, else that was working on the project was saying you know airdrop no no way airdrops are cheesy uh you know the guy actually andrew it, uh jack it's andrew he was saying how you know airdrops were were no good it's out of style and and it, it was trending towards that direction he was right and then it's funny now that airdrops are like back in it, it for a while it was like airdrops were if you were doing an airdrop it it was like uh kind of low quality cheesy like uh yeah kind of funny that things change um but best practices i guess point systems are really cool right now and it sounds like we have 1.4 it sounds like is you guys do point systems it's interesting uh, the point system debate because a lot of a lot of projects are i see a lot of KOLs discussing point systems in a a relatively negative light sometimes but then I, I kind of think like well you have to track so if you want um you so if you want user activity on the dap or or on on your socials or in some other way to be part of the airdrop rather than it just being a, a blanket airdrop you need a point system to keep track of user activity on the on the dap so it, it kind of it seems impossible to implement an effective airdrop without one but then you hear a lot of people complaining about accruing airdrop points and so on. Um, th there's a, a quite a, a popular DAP at the moment that's just gaining some momentum. That's talking about that they they've changed the name. They're not points anymore. They're shards, which is a, a another kind of like play on the same thing essentially. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? The points thing. Like people talk about like points fatigue and like the way to gain points and stuff. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I'd be curious to hear. Uh, Griffin, I know, you know, leading the Archway side of things, I'd like to see how, what you've seen with teams coming to Archway and then maybe follow up after you, Eric, since I know you're, um, you know, uh, Astro Vault is like right around the corner and, and has been firing on all cylinders uh, over in Archway. So yeah, Griffin, what's, what, what have you been seeing with teams coming to you, to Archway? Yeah, we've seen this uh, resurgence of, of airdrops within the, um, uh, broader cosmos space, but more broadly, you know, just, just crypto in general. Um, we've seen, um, I think the go to market has changed quite a bit in the last three months or four months. Uh, we've seen platforms, um, basically really take advantage of a, another third party, uh, social platform galaxy to, to take advantage of that. And what they try to do is like drive as much user activity as possible and hype up, uh, the underlying protocol as much as possible, uh, in preparation um, for a very big airdrop. And then it starts to become like the self-fulfilling prophecy because the more user and the more community you kind of build in and, and grab and can bring into the underlying community um, at an early stage, you know, the more likely, you know, you know the the um, 
the ecosystem and the utility token will do better and and therefore you know there would be a larger airdrop to the community and so we've seen a lot of teams kind of do that and self-fulfill that um I'll hand it over to Eric a little bit, but yeah, we're we're gearing up uh, to do a lot of airdrops for Archway stakers um, on the platform right now. In the next, uh, I think, two weeks, we're launching this whole community platform. Uh, here's some quiet alpha. I probably shouldn't be sharing. I'm sure the marketing team will <laughs> get mad at me for sharing this alpha with all of you, but um, do it. Yeah, do it. Should I do it? Okay. Uh, yeah. So we're we're actually launching this this whole community platform to help facilitate uh by the way can you speak up maybe a little more into your mic it's a little you're slightly low on volume yeah for sure i'll speak up a little bit uh, am i a little bit better yeah okay i think just the headphone got moved a little um yeah so what we're doing is we're setting up a uh community page and platform uh for all dApps that are looking to in third parties that are looking to airdrop to archway stakers um, and we've designed this platform um, to be more uh, conducive and supportive to the actual dApps and third-party ecosystem projects that are planning to airdrop. So what they'll be able to do is, um, you know, customize certain variables and actions and so forth that they want their end community to actually do and be part of. So it's not just like, hey, you're just airdropping to stakers, but it's, hey, you're airdropping to Archway stakers. And, you know, we would like you to provide liquidity on the platform, or we would like you to you know, go through and just like follow us on Twitter and take some of these initial actions and prepping the community and everything else. Um, so we're rolling, we've been quietly working on this for a couple of months and we'll be rolling it out here in the, in the next couple of weeks, but that'll be, um, you know, one of the first places, uh, you know, at least for us in our case, the Archway stakers can, can receive um, community airdrops from all the dApps that are launching on the platform. Um, and one of those uh, cool projects um, is the Asherville team, and Eric is on the call today, and I'll, I'll let him speak more to what the product does and um, some of their thoughts uh, around their airdrop a little bit. Eric? Woot. Thank you, Griffin. And yeah, stoked to see all this dashboard and the stuff roll out. But yeah, in the next uh, month, month and a half or so, we'll be airdropping through Arch Stakers and excited to see how the Archway community deems it should be done through this like cool gamification and um, through finding more ways to incentivize it. So high level tokenomic stuff, like reason teams do airdrops, one legality, better distribution makes it not a security, but two whole reason you ever give out tokens to centralized costs. So whatever onboarding you can get user acquisition, um, whatever other services you could get people using galaxy easily um, bonus block things that can get you more Twitter followers, boost your vanity metrics, get you initial users. Um, that kind of stuff is great. You're seeing more that way and less free money, just getting the airdrop uh, marketing thing, uh, leaked out. What we did is we wanted to prove our model because of course we're the first decks that monetizes liquidity. We're, uh, we earned $21,000 last week. We're earning uh, on track for over a million dollars a year right now. And that's growing pretty quickly. And again, most of that is actually just from the liquidity, not even from trading fees, uh, which is different. Um, and we had to kind of prove that model out. So we'd launch our product before we launched our token, um, which means we didn't have incentives. And so our whole thing is like, hey, early users of Astro Vault, you guys will get an airdrop. It ended up being pretty similar to retroactive incentives to what works out. But it also showcased that we could earn $400,000 in revenue in a couple months with a new product. Um, that, that we were able to do. So um, now we, we did that initial airdrop to our users as like retroactive payments. Uh, some of it went to Jackal Stakers because the Jackal Foundation earned a ton as they were a primary liquidity provider. Uh, and they were cool with us giving it to their community instead. 
but now as Archway is the chain we've built on and um, has supported us a lot throughout the way and is get, getting us uh, good liquidity as well. Uh, next step is to get it to the Archway stakers and community. And so we're excited to go through this gamification process. But yeah, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on that as well as more on the panel on um, what you guys think uh, is best practices. Because I get the the fatigue from gamification. So my whole thing is like, you still want to maximize what you're getting for the expense, but at the same time, there should be ways to make it fun instead of a chore. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, man. And I think it just kind of leads me into something else that I was thinking about while uh, Griffin was just talking then <clears throat> regarding galaxy and platforms like that. So there's obviously two sides to galaxy, which is, you know, on the one hand, you've got the social stuff, you know, follow on Twitter, join the community, post, blah, blah, blah. There's uh, various different things you can do if you've not used the platform before. Um, and then there's the other side, which is the on-chain side. Um, and this this speaks to two sides of airdrops in general. So there's one, you know, the one side is like you boost awareness with the social stuff. And the second side is you actually, you know, potentially acquire users. And some of those users might be long-term users if they love the product. And so I wanted to ask the panel here, like, how this... You know, we had some internal discussion about this actually with Kinetics and um, and a lot of the team was quite split on this. But to what degree do you think that social points are valuable? So there's, cer there's certain people and this is, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say like the development team would, would be more on this side, which is that the only valuable action is, you know, on-chain action, right? So if you're not adding liquidity, if you're not trading, if you're not doing something on-chain, then, then your action isn't valuable. And so you don't deserve an airdrop. And then there's other people that think, you know, somewhere in between, like some social actions are valuable. And then other people that think social, act, social actions are super valuable. Like, for example, um, Portal, which is a, a, a product that I'm not associated with at all. And that's going through its kind of um, launch at the moment, I guess. I saw some posts about it earlier. Um, a few months ago, I saw um, that they was doing some kind of airdrop social stuff. And they were one of the protocols that went quite big on it. They also did on-chain stuff i think no in fact they did i don't think they did because it, i don't think the platform was live but they definitely did social stuff because i saw them all over the place promoting that kind of stuff so i think like yeah just i'd love to hear some thoughts on the social side of airdrops because it seems to be really mixed right because on the one hand it's easy easier to game because you know there's millions of people that have twitter bots and like you know some of these people have like armies of thousands of bots and it's harder to rule out bot activity um, but then on on the same side, you know, products, even amazing products with perfect tech and a great innovation, they also need to spread awareness, right? And so it's difficult sometimes. You can have the best products in the world, but if nobody knows about it, then it's it's like, you know, what's the point? So the social utility, in my opinion, does have some value. But yeah, I'd love to hear what the panel thinks about that. I'm happy to give our, our perspective on it. So I, I agree with you that there's... Um, there's a good, you know, there's a middle ground and you have to look at who you're, who you're trying to incentivize and what actions you're trying to incentivize. So definitely, you know, on-chain actions, depending on what your product does, but on-chain actions such as liquidity providers or traders or, you know, builders deploying on top of you if you're, a, you know, if you're a layer one or if you're creating primitives that um, you hope people will use in their protocols. But then also... You know the the educators, the advocators, those kind of people, um, and you know I, I do think social campaigns like Zeely or Galaxy or um, Interact can can be super useful. But it's how do you convert those users to 
um, to long-term advocators rather than people that just receive an airdrop and, and dump in and are out pretty quickly. And obviously the other big problem with this stuff is unless there's real value being transferred um, on a lot of these things, then then they just get heavily sibled. Um, and, and you've you know you've seen that with Jupiter, you've seen that with um, so many of these so many of these airdrop campaigns. So you want to you want to be able to distill who are actually going to be the real people that are going to stick around and be your long term community. And it's something that we're uh, thinking about a lot. And I think that we're going to be running we're going to be running quite a big airdrop campaign for Prism. And I think one thing we're thinking about is like, okay, well, if you, you know, you talk, you talk about how you give the the airdrop to people, but okay, what's the release schedule of the airdrop? Do you release the airdrop straight away for some people? Um, or are you better to release the airdrop when certain on-chain metrics are hit? So are you better to, you know, uh, for a group of people like Zeely, um, you know, questers, for example, are you better to release their airdrop when the chain hits certain TVL or market cap metrics? Oh, that's, so quite, that, that's quite an interesting approach. So it's not just uh, an airdrop that's vested over time. It's an airdrop that's vested, uh, like a success vesting almost. Exactly. So it, so it kind of, so say for example, what, we, what we're going to end up doing is we're going to have um, a, a certain, air, you know, airdrops that we do for, you know, say, protocol advocators or community that we want to, uh, you know, that are excited about PRISM is we're going to set out um, milestones that have to be hit on the chain. So say TVL late locked or like the amount of um, the amount of uh, market value securing the chain. We, we allow restaking on our chain. So it's going to, it won't just be the PRISM token. It'll be, you know, Atom, Celestia, all these assets can be used to secure our chain. But so we're going to have, um, you know, TVL metrics, like when the, when the chain hits 100 million TVL securing the chain, 10% of your airdrop is going to get released. When it hits 150 million, the next 10% of your airdrop is going to be released. And this is going to be done via a governance approval. So the, the I guess the thinking behind it is that, you know, you, you have community that have engaged early on via a Zeely quest, or you have, you know, say you want to airdrop to active DeFi participants in the IBC, like osmosis liquidity providers, for example, um, these people get an airdrop, but then they're all galvanized towards hitting these milestones. So they're galvanized towards the longer term success of the chain, rather than just waiting for a block by block vesting so that they can get out of their tokens and slightly annoyed they're galvanized towards hitting these targets so that their tokens get released for them. So that's kind of one, one thing we're trying to do on the, you know, like you're talking about the community side rather than just specifically the on-chain uh, rewarding people for on-chain actions. Yeah, I think that's, that's super interesting. Uh, Trev, I'm going to go to you in just one second. Just wanted one follow-up piece on this. It's like, so another way that um, potentially um, you can, sort of like retain some of these users is to have um some kind of metric built uh, so some people call this like a loyalty airdrop but basically once the airdrop period is over um and the, the dap is fully functioning and live and the tgs happened and the tokens trading you can then have some kind of for people that received an airdrop 
and then chose to stake or chose to participate in the ecosystem and didn't remove the liquidity, you can then do some retroactive incentives further down the line. So, you know, you could say, you know, 90 days after um, TGE, 90 days after airdrop is distributed, those that, are st- that still have liquidity in the ecosystem or the DAP can then get some other rewards. And the rewards don't have to be external to the airdrop. It could just be airdrop that hasn't been claimed um, by uh, the original cohort that was eligible, for example. Um, so it's not like you would have to go looking for this or allocate an extra bit of your tokenomics. It could just be um, the fact that it's you know it's going to be surplus anyway because we know uh, through working with various projects in the past that the airdrop claim rate is very rarely 100%. It's, sometimes it's very high um, with super popular airdrops that are very public that um, have a lot of traction, but it's very rarely 100%. There's usually something left over because you know, people forget to claim or they think they're not eligible and they are or, or for whatever reason they don't complete the actions to get the airdrops. So there's almost always some left and teams do varying different things with this, right? You know, a lot of them will put it into liquidity incentives with the token, they'll do a governance vote and they'll say, can we use unclaimed airdrop to boost rewards on the first uh, liquidity pool that the token has? Other people might boost the APR on staking for a while uh, or put it in some kind of community fund. Um, but yeah, another way to do it is then if you if you wait a little while and then see who are you, which users have you retained from the airdrop, and then can you do something to reward those? Obviously, depending on what platform it is, it's subject to governance votes and stuff, of course. Um, but yeah, Trev, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, um, and absolutely, um, and, and a lot of good points made up here already. Um, and in terms of like Mister Refractor, like I love. I love how you guys are are kind of looking at it through kind of like a different lens. We've seen like uh, like engage type drops, like Stargaze did one really early on where you had to do X, Y, and Z uh, actions on chain, um, and I thought that that was really interesting because that goes beyond like just blanket a blanket airdrop, right? Uh, and then we have you know the the social element. You know we can still spend on the social element. We can still pay for marketing. We can still pay for ads. We can still pay for influencers or KOLs, whatever you want to call them, uh, to push out content, like all that, like, it, cause effectively an airdrop is a marketing spend, right? We're spending money to acquire users for our go to market for X, Y, and Z initiative, whatever it is. Right. So we can still do the, the, the traditional, you know, way of marketing. Um, and you know, the more and more, uh, that I hear about airdrops and I decide, actually built a tool like a, like a metrics dashboard back in the day. And it had all the on-chain metrics for different kinds of actions that, that were on chain, but it was just, it was just literally for everybody that was on, on a particular chain. Right. Um, but like with full on-chain metrics, with the metrics in your wallet of every wallet and every user, you could see potentially in an aggregated dashboard, whether or not a user, uh, had a higher propensity to, to receive their airdrop and dump more than half of it, for example, or to receive the airdrop, stake it, and then also vote on governance at least once during a set period. Right. So I think in terms of airdrops, we could also, uh, we can also leverage, you know, these kinds of on-chain metrics and, and data points to exclude or include uh, particular individuals or wallets that would, you know, have a higher likely, uh, uh, a higher chance of engaging in the way that we want on our network that's launching or have a lower 
chance of doing what we want in terms of on-chain activity. So it's possible to, to, to weight airdrops towards actions that have already been done based on the actions that we want to see on our given chain in the future, um, which I think is interesting. I don't know what the legality of something like that is because you talked about uh, dealing with securities and that's always kind of top of mind, right? Um, I, I, but really, there's ways- I really like the, um, the thing you just said about the voting. Uh, so to, to weight the airdrop or to reward in some way for people that participate in governance, I think that's great because like the whole, you know, people forget, but a large portion of the value, uh, the utility in these tokens is often platform governance. And so, you know, it's great people holding a token and, you know, um, using it for liquidity or um, like, you know, speculating on it or whatever. But the idea that somebody's actively participating in platform governance is super important. And so to reward those people, I think that's that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's when people know what they're going to be measured on in the future, they can they can game the system and there's more chance to game the system. But if you base a lot of it based on their, their previous actions uh, and also implement anti-Sybil mechanisms, then like they can't gamify it and you already know who the users are that you want to target and you can kind of target them a little more effectively. If we just dig a little bit deeper into the data, um, I think that, you know, it warrants more ex- exploration. Uh, for particular airdrop campaigns. That'd be amazing if someone made a dashboard of, you know, or, or did some analysis in, I guess, across the cosmos of what airdrop recipients have done with their tokens and, you know, uh, have they part- then taken their tokens and been active participants in governance or that kind of thing. Like, I guess all of that is on chain. So, and then you could, you know, then it would really incentivize people to be participants in the protocol that they receive tokens on. Yeah, so you, you're essentially trying to filter out um, people that are, this is going to sound a little sticky, but I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to say anyway, but you get, you're you essentially trying to filter out lower value participants in the ecosystem. And I don't mean that in a cash term, uh, like it's not like the number of tokens they're holding, but it's what actions they're taking with those tokens. So when I say this, I'm defining low value people as, you know, essentially just, um, speculators so they'll, they'll just buy the token they'll hold it they won't do anything with it they won't participate in the protocols they won't vote on governance etc um so that their like impact on the ecosystem as a whole is quite low um and then instead you want to incentivize the people that are super active that are involved um because they're the they're your ideal uh kind of uh candidates right they're, they're the people that you really want to onboard into your platform and yeah it's, it's kind of interesting like the game theory behind that i think one good thing about the cosmos is because you know um kepler uh kepler wallet for example if that's the one that you're using you know that stores all your addresses and i imagine uh, even though they're individual addresses for each chain i imagine they're all linked in some way so you could track across multiple chains so i think that's really interesting this sounds like uh, the type of dashboard that a really uh enterprising uh validator would build um, to get, uh, you know, like some uh, foundation delegations or something from one of the uh, one of the chains in, in the cosmos. Like the validators always seem to be building dashboards and handy tools and stuff. Um, so if, there's, if this is you, if you're listening and you have an amazing validator, um, then maybe this is something you could do for the ecosystem. Uh, but Sean, I, I noticed you were muted then. I don't know if you, you've got a point you want to contribute. Yeah, I was just noticing a couple times when when Griffin, Eric, and, and Trevor speaking, I like that they brought up 
milestones. Um, and, and like you were saying, Jack, that that's shows you who's actually using your platform and, and really probably going to stick with it so that that's a big feature in design. Um, being the huge shade fan that I am, I know that they did this really well. You know, uh, red speaks about this all the time, red eyed bear about how long it was. So red, if, if you can touch on that, on how, how shade protocol designed theirs, just how long it was. And that's, let's see if any of the Cosmo speakers remembers and, and took part in that. What was it like 12 month airdrop? Uh, no, it was about twice as long as that. Um, yeah, I guess for some context, uh, you know, Shade launched their um, their token with the first phase of the Shade airdrop back in February of 2022. Uh, today is actually the two-year anniversary for that token generation event, so that's kind of a cool little moment there. Um, we airdrop Shade to Secret, Adam, and Luna stakers. Um, this was at the time a pretty huge technical leap and milestone for both Shade and Secret communities. It, it involved leveraging a new type of uh, decryption tool that was available on the network uh, for uh, the verification of encrypted data. Um, you know, we airdropped approximately 13% of the total supply of Shade uh, between the Secret Cosmos and Luna communities, and um, the the actual claiming events for uh, the shade were based on interactions with different parts of our uh, application. So um, when it first launched, it was a simple claim. And then whenever we launched um, a product called Shade Bonds, we launched um, or we released another phase of the airdrop. Then whenever we launched, um, I believe the next one was uh, Shade Staking. Whenever that launched, we did another uh, big unlock of... Uh, of shade, so it was really cool to be able to tie that unlocking of shade uh, to the actual utilization of the underlying protocol. Um, you know, I think focusing, you know, really, really hard on the technicals of like making people do very specific things, and um, sometimes things can be a little bit more complicated than they need to be. Um, I think we could have probably simplified and shortened uh, the airdrop period. Two years is uh, is a long time. Um, but during that period, you know, being able to both grow and learn from, you know, the, the different components of the shade community that were from, you know, we're secret, na secret network native uh, folks that were Cosmos folks that were Luna folks being able to learn and grow with these uh, different parts of these communities that we airdrop to was really cool. And being able to get feedback along that, uh, along that route, you know, shade launched um, a lot of other major primitives during that time that weren't associated with the airdrop. And so it was uh, really cool to see the retention of uh, those users that stuck around for that entire two years. And um, the rest of the shade airdrop has been reclaimed now. So uh, the remaining shade that wasn't claimed is now uh, in the, uh, in the Dow's treasury. Nice. Um, so one thing that you touched on there is right at the start of the talk, you said, um, you airdropped stakers. So just one point on that. I would love to know, um, now that the liquid staking landscape has developed a little, let's say, in, in the IBC ecosystem and beyond, um, you know, one of the things that we hear when we talk to projects is when they're trying to decide around, you know, obviously people generally want to airdrop to stakers rather than holders because, if you know, stakers tend to have a more long-term mindset. They're more active in the ecosystem, so that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask around, so like liquid staking, right? So would you guys, 
um, advocate including liquid staking when trying to sort out who's eligible and who isn't. Because um, that's kind of an interesting not to unpick, isn't it? Because the more, as time goes on, more and more um, tokens will be locked into these liquid staking platforms. So what do you guys think to that? I, I think it's a, a really um, interesting idea. I mean, if you look at what Tia is kind of doing now with being able to have a large emission event, uh, you know, it's not really an airdrop, but, you know, a large emission event of stride towards uh, to help with the adoption of uh, STT is uh, really interesting. And one of the things, at least on secret network side and, and shade side that we're trying to do is be able to make it easier for them to include, you know, these particular token holders like liquid staking derivative holders. Um, like be able to include individuals who are utilizing these tokens within DeFi. Maybe they're not holding it on their native chain, like for SDTA, like maybe they're not holding it on Stride. And I know they've already uh, been able to do this with other layer one blockchains and other DApps. Um, Secret Network's a little bit harder um, because you have to deal with encrypted data and verifying that. Uh, but it's something we're trying to trying to work on and prioritize because, you know, we're trying to onboard all these different assets and provide them this uh, protection from value extraction and being able to help incentivize uh, that utilization makes it a little bit easier for us to, you know, attract liquidity and also to help them grow because they have more ways to utilize their asset effectively. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's really interesting. I guess if you wanted to airdrop to just to use an easy example, like um, people that stake ETH, you could just airdrop to holders of on a liquid staking platform you could just airdrop to holders of STETH like for example if you're doing Lido STETH um, and then that way you would be airdropping to the, the people that are staking through that platform but yeah that's that is it's interesting the the debate about around eligibility and I think as we go into the next cycle and we get the next crop of airdrops come up um, this is going to be something that is kind of quite contentious I feel um, we when with the Kinetics airdrop, for example, we had a platform reach out to us and ask to make sure that their liquid stakers were included. And so we're working with our development team to see if we can do that. Um, but one thing I wanted to just mention here is um, we've just had a new speaker join, and that's Cosmos Joe, uh, Cosmos DeFi Joe, or whoever you, however you say it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a, a, a keen Cosmos community member. So I don't know if you want to give a brief intro, Joe, and that, and then we can jump back into the discussion. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Cosmos DeFi, aka Cosmos Joe, and I, I'm a community member. I'm not building any specific protocol. I actually was listening down below, and it's pretty interesting to hear how actual founders of projects view the airdrop because I think it's it's a lot different from where I sit. I'm on the other side of it, right? Is it free money? Is it marketing? Is it you know? Is it is it a hassle? To farm these airdrops so um yeah i'm hoping um people would want to hear maybe kind of the end user's view of how these airdrops come off to a lot of people in the community if that's all right yeah that'd be awesome i think what one of the questions i had for today actually was for um one of our any, any large community members that join the space that have been around a long time and it's just what do you think the founders need to hear so it's basically exactly what you said there so yeah i'd love to get your thoughts on that yeah, I mean, I was just like jotting some ideas down, and um, from from the end user's perspective, you know, we hear there's an airdrop. It's actually hard for us to understand what the purpose of the airdrop is in the first place. Is the purpose to distribute the supply, 
Is it to market? Is it to kind of arm your future users with tokens so they can immediately jump in and start using the protocol risk-free? Um, for me, I look at it as an opportunity to distribute the supply in a fair way. I think a lot of the proof-of-stake networks, they botch their whole economy by having a really bad you know, Genesis distribution. Um, in that case, I don't like the geo-blocking. Um, I don't like the short windows to claim. Also, like the high hurdle of like doing all this unnecessary kind of fake engagement with the protocol before the airdrop to kind of quote unquote earn it. And also the amount is important, right? I don't think that protocol needs to airdrop a huge percentage of the supply, right? F for that purpose. But, and, and the other thing that happened recently with the dimension airdrop was airdropping it to specific NFT collections right there. It looks like the goal is not to distribute the supply at all. Right. So those are the, th those are the four things that I, I kind of look at. And of course, any complaining from an end user is def definitely will sound like sour grapes because after all, you are getting an airdrop for doing almost nothing. You don't have to buy the token now. You could go in and use the the app. You could just sell it and treat it like free money. But yeah, that, those are just some of the things that were running through my mind as I listened to this and as I think about the different ways projects are kind of using their airdrops and how it looks to the end user. That's really interesting. Um, so I, I can speak to some of those points um, because as, as a chief launch officer at Lunar Digital Assets, the firm that's creating Kinetics, um, we do deal with airdrops in various different forms. And I guess from the points that you mentioned that, the purpose of the airdrop, I'd like to address that first. Um, and in a lot of cases, uh, it's a combination of a lot of the things that you said. So Firstly, you know, if you have a, a, re a relatively wide airdrop, it's a wide token distribution. That's good because when it comes to governance, you want as many people voting in governance proposals as possible. One way to do that is to give people a lot of tokens for free. So then you get a broader consensus over what is the right thing to do from a lot of people that are in the ecosystem. If you've weighted your airdrop correctly, you'll be potentially airdropping more tokens to the people that are more experienced and more active in the ecosystem. And therefore, their opinion is kind of worth a little bit more. So when they vote in governance proposals, their, their vote is worth more with the free tokens that you gave them, right? So the first thing is distribution. It's important. When you, when you mentioned the part about um, uh, doing lots of tasks and that sometimes feeling like a headache, so part of the reason projects do that is it's kind of like a crash course. So if you say to somebody like, hey, you know, here's some tutorials, we've built this great platform, check out the tutorials and go and use it. Like people are busy and the Web3 space changes really fast. And so a lot of people don't have time to go and sit and read through medium articles or watch YouTube videos. And there's like a million shiny things that launch every day. And so why would you pay attention to this? But if you say to somebody, look, um, we do have tutorials, which you can go and watch. But if you just use the platform and play around and do some, you know, bridge some liquidity and do some trading or whatever, use the DAP, um, then you'll be eligible for getting some airdrop in the future. It's kind of like incentivized learning. And so what platforms hope come out comes out the other side of that is that they'll convert some of those people that go through this kind of crash course to people that like love the platform because they've used it during the, when they was trying to farm the airdrop and then while they're there they're like hey this is pretty cool we'll stick around and so that's kind of some of the hopes of of people that i think do airdrops 
um, is like the distribution and then the, the platform education. And then the free money side of it is obviously a part of it, right? If you, if you incentivize somebody to do something, um, then they're more likely to do it. So, you know, if you give somebody $100 or $500 or whatever, I mean, some of these airdrops have been crazy in the past, right? If you, the platform ends up super successful, some of these airdrops can run into the thousands of dollars quite easily. And in some case, more than that, depending on what the person has done on the platform before it launches. So, yeah, like, it's a tricky thing because from a user's point of view, it can seem a bit opaque. Like, why are they doing these things? And I think projects maybe need to do a little, uh, communicate a little bit better around the purpose of why they're doing things or why the airdrop has been constructed in a certain way. You know, one of the things I would love to see from projects is if they... Uh, when they usually projects will publish a guide, right? Like, you know, here's here's what we're doing. We're airdropping, you know, 3% of the supply to do blah, blah, blah. Here's how you can be eligible. But, you know, a little paragraph at the start of that, just explaining the aims and like why they're actually doing it would probably go a long way to like making people feel a little better about the airdrop and what they're actually becoming a part of, in my opinion. So, yeah, but I'd love to hear from some of the other panel members on this. Um Eric or Griffin or Mark. I know Mark. I don't know if you want to speak speak at all about your experiences of airdrops, but I know you've got some good insights there. Yeah, and maybe it's controversial, but yeah, Path. We did a let's say end user airdrop, retrospective airdrop in November. So pretty much it involved, I think, ninety k wallets were identified and allocated Path um, from twenty seven different chains. So pretty much Perth is an oracle available, let's say, on 50 chain today. Back then it was 27 or 30. And overall, like, and being infra, like end user, like, I guess each airdrop is different because you have different goals. Perth is infra, like, arguably no, it's retail slash community members going to go on our website to do things like you would do, go on Aave, Synthetics, GMX, Kinetics, whatever. So it's... I very much agree with the take, and I think it was true in the very much true in the past. Is it's kind of a marketing budget, marketing cost. Like giving away money to people is, I mean, whether it's useful in the long term, I don't know, uh, and I doubt it. But for the ongoing activity you have, definitely. And I mean, you can easily. And actually, it would be fun to check any protocol, like Twitter follower, Discord members, like Telegram messages. You plot an airdrop like in the activity, and you'd see it, it 10x every time. Um, and so, from Path being infra, not in the eyes of everyone, we wanted this part. Like, okay, you are a trader of kinetics. Uh, good chance you actually don't know that you use Path, um, but by like using this kinetics app that leverage Path, we actually like your end user were also like a key reason in our success, let's say. So it was kind of a great way to uh, reward those who kind of trusted apps that trusted Path. So on this end, we were very happy with this. Um, we, I think, and actually the claiming has finished like yesterday, it lasted for three months. So I hope that's long enough. Um, but I mean, for too long, it, the end you just have stuck kind of liquidity while it could be reused elsewhere. Um, so on this part, we we're very happy with that first kind of wave of retrospective airdrop. Two weeks ago, we announced the, let's say, second phase, which is um, directly to application. So those apps that integrated Path before end of this year or last year, we're getting a direct, let's say, air retrospective airdrop. Because at the end of the day, these are the teams that uh, 
like integrated, uh, took a leap of faith to use Pith, and for the like it worked for the better. But it was also great to like give back away to and Kinetics included. Um, also, fair to say, like getting involved in Pith. Pith token is a governance token. Kinetics depends on its oracle. Like it's one of the most critical. With the chain you're built on, it's almost the most critical piece of infra. So you having a say in how the network should evolve just seems fair. Um, so that was kind of those two faces. Like we had our target. First one, go out of our infrastructure shell where like it's not the sexiest product for retail community, like non-devs. Um, we got it amazingly well. And the second part was more, all right, now targeted recipients, those devs that are powered by PEP. Um, so overall, I, I think we're pretty happy with what we managed to do. One thing, I mean, and as it was mentioned before, like people and anyone that hasn't done a, a, a token launch underestimate, I fear, the legal aspect of it, whether we like it or not, like, project that issue a token have at the end of the day to be to do it in a safe way for everyone definitely for the user but also for the team the association the like whatever company does it so one thing that i think people forget is yeah this legal aspect um and what would i have done different and maybe it's the uh, the hot take of uh, of this space is i actually love the point points campaign or at least the point style of things if it's done properly like no, because most of the points are off-chain, so you can, at, at the end of the day, the team can work this points campaign and pretty much they formed the users for months. So points campaign, you're right. Social, I think it's great because at the end of the day, airdrop is still kind of boost marketing. So makes sense, but it should be like end of day, you want activity on your app. So protocols that do these campaigns, points or whatever they want to name it, Targeted to usage or feedback or etc. I think is great as long as they don't constantly change pen, don't drag in the end, because it almost like gives the choice to users. Like, do I really want to participate in it or not? Um, if you only do a retrospective airdrop, like you might have used the product, uh, but the team has decided like to pick on parameters uh, you like didn't participate in. Uh, and then like you're actually going to completely lose your user. And this example, and I mean, whenever there's an airdrop, people, a bunch of people on Twitter are, are, are angry. But if we take the StarkNet example, I mean, not often you kind of see that much backlash. Um, and from a bunch of people, of course, there must have been seabitters, farmers, like at, at the end of the day, it's the, it's the game. But being so kind of being retrospective, only retrospective without giving away what should count can actually make you lose like a hardcore user. I mean, some people have used StockNet for more than a year. And if you get like dust, you'll be like, I mean, if you use StockNet, you kind of, you must have the tech, but I think it's kind of risky in this part. So if they had done some kind of points campaign, um, and by points campaign, it's just maybe showing proactively that what you do will get rewarded at some point. So I'm, I'm actually kind of a proponent of be more like transparent day one. Uh, of course, don't shrug and um, 
very much points toward like you should airdrop or you should have bigger recipients based on what brings value back to the protocol. If it's perps, do trade, trading fees, liquidation, etc. If it's board ending, the same. So I guess it's very much just we went from zero to 200 on the points, like now it's point season, uh, and many of them are going to rug in the end. So I think that's why also we see end users being a more like concerned or careful with points it's because you had here and there bad experience and i guess many are gonna like stop doing it yeah that that makes a lot of sense and hearing you make that point a uh, end user it seems like what archway and i don't know eric if you're taking advantage of this new platform that, that griffin was speaking about our dashboard but it seems like then you can get really granular with who the end user is that you're going to either satisfy or dissatisfy and hopefully with that granularity you can give them a really good experience because they're you know they're they're actually using your platform how you want and you're targeting the right people i don't know griffin if if you can leak more on the dashboard or you know if, if that's the whole goal how do you guys see that being used yeah for sure so um the way we're structuring it so we think um you know, points are really hot right now, but I think uh, people are probably feeling a bit fatigued already from points. Um, maybe give me a thumbs up if you're feeling fatigued or a thumbs down if you love points. But um, yeah, I mean, these things go in waves, right? In little trends. Um, and I feel like we're going to, we're, we're probably like due for something else. Um, I think a couple of people were mentioning this. What we have is basically... Um, well, it's designed pretty well, but uh, like a loyalty score based off of on-chain actions. So now that the network is live, um, you know, it's no longer like a stake drop or, or like it's it's like a little bit more involved than like a typical stake drop. Uh, what we're trying to do is literally like push on-chain activity and drive value to the interline. In our case, the dApps that are building on top of the network. Um, it's this constant like um, issue of like, hey, if you make the end user go through too many steps and too many actions, um, you know, they'll get disenfranchised and, you know, at the end of the day, like, like, like they'll get probably pretty frustrated if, especially if the airdrop isn't material to them. And then conversely, like from a founder or like project or DAP project founders perspective, you know, like, like, yeah, I mean, we've kind of said it. Some of these things is like marketing, it's liquidity, it's, you know, awareness, everything else. Um, but like the holy grail, I guess, would be is to try to like convince users to like actually use the underlying projects uh, live on mainnet and like to try to try to get them to be like good stewards of the, of the underlying project. And um, so we're moving more towards that. We think we've done it in a fun, fair way. You'll, you'll see a bunch of stuff. I'll actually go ahead and ask um, some folks in the community to go ahead and maybe post some dashboards on our, our Twitter account later today so you guys can get a sense of what the platform is going to look like. Um, yeah, but it's called Drop Camp. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a constant like fine balance of like how do you support um, your goals either as a protocol or the goals of your community, um, but then also like not rug end users. I I also think like it's airdrops are actually a really great way to like showcase how good your tech is. Like, there's a lot of claims out there like oh tech is so good, you know your contracts work, but then like when like end users can't use the front end when they don't have a good experience like claiming your airdrop when you like are changing the rules and changing the messaging i think it's like their first introduction to like your project and your protocol and like we've seen it time and time again where so many projects like just the challenges with claiming an airdrop and things like that and when when i do that and when i go through it i, I second guess like 
kind of the core contributors behind it. Cause I'm like, Ooh boy, like they really messed up this experience. Like, is there something really real and value behind it? And so, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to like, like have a pretty good, simple airdrop for the archway protocol. And, you know, but you know, everybody has issues, but like that, I think is like one of the key highlights is like, you know, how many loops do you have to go through? What kind of engagement is the community going to do with you? And that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the protocol and the ecosystem. Um, especially if you like, don't promise what you expect or, um, you know, it's really just about setting expectations for end users and then giving them the choice and the decision to like want to participate or not participate. And, and that's how I kind of view airdrops in general. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, the the idea around like, you know, if the first, so airdrops are often one of the biggest battle tests of a protocol in its early days because, you know, there's some kind of, um, you know, many people do airdrops during their beta version of the product or, you know, more and more now because of the way people have adapted to the the bear market conditions. Sometimes the, the platform's fully live before the TGE and so the airdrop takes place on the, on the main net. Um, so it's, it's interesting like that, you know, a lot of the time some of these protocols get their first major boost in traffic is when they announce the airdrop. And if that first experience sucks, because the platform's bad or, you know, the protocol is bad or the chain's bad, then that kind of sets the tone for what value that will have in the future. And it's interesting that, yeah, it's like, uh, in a way, airdrops are kind of like free samples, right? Like, you can, <laughs> here's some tokens, you can go and use the platform. Um, but if the, the free sample tastes bad, then no one's going to come back after that. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask is around, um, like... So let, let's say you're doing a, an airdrop to a chain, for example. Um, you know, there's there's airdrops, obviously, to the end users. Um, but one thing that I, I thought might be an interesting piece of game theory is if you included builders and platforms in the airdrop metric system as well, and then allowed those to then allocate the, the, the airdrop portions that they received to their users of their specific platform on the chain. I'm not really, I don't think I've seen anybody do this. Um, maybe, this maybe definitely it. happens. I mean, I, it's coming. It, yeah. It's structured sometimes differently. Maybe they're called grants or whatever, but usually they happen around the same time. So I was thinking, I was thinking more, and I know that obviously projects like chains do grants, but I was thinking more like building it into the airdrop point system itself. So that if you deploy a DAP on the chain during the airdrop period, then you accrue a certain amount of points. And then the more traction that DAP gets in the airdrop season, then the points accrue. And then the founders can then distribute that. I don't know. I'm just think like kind of thinking off the wall here, but I feel like that's an interesting way to go because then it incentivizes people to build popular things on new chains. I, you know? I see someone had their hand up and I, uh, man, I have a, a bunch of comments about this topic, but I, I actually just realized I have a super important call. Um, I'm going to come back after if, it, if the space is still going. Hopefully it'll be quick. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to ask a question about vesting because um, someone was talking earlier about like doing things over a period of time. I think like Shade was did like a two-year airdrop and, and then there were some other examples. But uh, what do you guys think about vesting versus fully unlocked? You know, fully unlocked. Maybe the people just dump at the beginning. Um, vesting puts like some slower kind of inflation pressure over time um doge chain did something quite interesting uh they did a they did a 90 million dollar uh airdrop but it was vested over like i don't remember a year plus um so and then that what was really interesting about that one was people had to come once a month and claim 
So they had to be stay, they had to stay basically stay active on the chain. And if they did not, this was an interesting and controversial part of it, but most people actually liked it, except for the people that were kind of victim of not doing following the directions, which is you had to claim it once a month. And if you did not claim it that month uh, by the deadline, then you not only lost that month, you you are now no longer able to claim for the rest of the airdrop. And then all of those tokens that like didn't get claimed all got burnt. So a lot of the community liked it because it was kind of saying, hey, if you're not active on Doge Chain, then then you're not going to get included and all the tokens get burnt. And then every that's kind of a kind of an indirect airdrop for everyone else that that, you know, it's deflation. Well, interesting yeah so super super kind of uh sharp way to do it you know making them come back every month otherwise they forfeit future months um interesting i'll, I'll go to some of the speakers in just one second i just wanted to introduce bonus block uh, who's just joined the space so bonus block if you just want to give a, a brief 10 second intro and then we'll get back to the space hey guys happy to be here my name is oscar co-contributor to bonus block we're helping projects to have user activity engagements in a new way, and the focus is on on-chain quality users. Thanks. Awesome. Well, you, you've come to the right space then. I think uh, your insights will be very welcome. Um, so yeah, I think uh, Eric, I think you was about to add something, right? Um, yeah, on, on the best, I'm not a huge fan of vesting airdrops, uh, but it is one way to do it. Uh, what I do like doing in that regard kind of goes off what Griffin was setting up with uh, the Archway dashboard, where basically different customers have different LTVs. Um, like everyone knows that in regular business, but it's difficult to apply that. That's not often factored in airdrops currently. And that's why we do all these different gamifications. But if you can have that data ahead of time through these types of things that not only incentivize it, but also just find it by doing wallet tracking, by seeing who's active, who's actually engaging on the chain, then you don't have to make airdrops complicated to get that data. You already have it. Um, and that's really cool. Something I'm doing a lot for a lot of the projects that, that hire me as a tokenomics consultant is like, especially if they don't have their own layer one blockchain and you have more composability over things like staking contracts is instead of having the staking contract, just read how many tokens are staked, have it have multipliers based on whatever you're trying to incentivize. If you're a, a trading bot or something, then like, Oh, if you got a daily trade, if you did a daily trade, uh, we'll run the query for the epoch and you'll get 2x reward weight. If you did, um, uh, I don't know, if you made a new algorithm in the marketplace that week, you get a 2x reward weight. And now somebody can be getting a 500% APR staking and somebody else who's just not doing those things is getting 8%. And you're not actually changing the amount of staking rewards being given out, but you're rather changing the reward weights and the multipliers based on the LTV, based on the value accrual, uh, based on the activity of your actual users. Uh, so I think that this kind of thing is really going to take off more. Um, I, I love seeing Archway, of course, uh, being a leader in it with what they're setting up. Uh, bonus block. Yeah. Huge, huge fans of them. We're going to be using them for a lot of stuff. If you like Zelia or Galaxy, they do it, but on-chain and better. Um, but this kind of thing where you incentivize directly what gives you value, that's the entire point of printing tokens. Uh, right now, we think that staking is incentivizing security. It's not. It can be. I'd love to make changes that makes that actually the case. But right now, we're just giving you know tokens to people who have tokens with no discernment, no discrimination. And um, it's incredibly ineffective, uh, inefficient. Uh, and oftentimes ineffective. And it's leading to a lot of what's not fun uh, and a lot of this burnout that we're seeing in the community that, that isn't really expanding because it's difficult to understand, it's difficult to claim and be a part of. Uh, so this kind of presets 
um, that then enable the ease of use for everything is really going to be the way forward in my opinion. I really love the idea of um, the personalized APR based on behavior. That's really, really interesting to me. And um, I think these kind of like smart systems for tracking user activity is going to be, I think, really, really big in the next cycle. And it needs to be because, as you said earlier, the idea of giving blanket rewards out for actions, regardless of like their impact on the platform, is just not good enough. And to get smarter with incentives is is really, really good. And I think, you know, just thinking about the DEX level here, like that could be something really interesting. You know, you can incentivize people based on the amount of liquidity they provide, obviously. Um, but maybe there's another way to incentivize people, so, like if the wallet that provided the liquidity is uh, doing other things that are valuable. Here, yeah, go ahead, Eric. Here's what we're doing for Astrovault. Um, we do the same type of thing for liquidity providers. Um, who also get governance power. And so we can give boosts to reward weight. So we're not giving more incentives, but again, get you get a higher percentage of the incentives based on if you equip such and such NFT. So if we like say Archway is doing like POAPs or badges or something for some Twitter space and they're like, hey, we want to partner with this one. Could you guys make this POAP get boosted APR if they equip it to the, these Astrovault pools for the next week? We could be like, sure. And now it's like, hey, if you go into this Twitter space, you, you can get 5% boost, 10% boost on your, on your reward. Um, and we can do this for our own NFT projects, but then also we can go to other NFTs who want to partner with us, who want to get this boost in secondary sales that we can definitively prove. And we can be like, hey, why don't you add our protocol owned liquidity address as part of your uh, royalties? And if we're now earning from these secondary sales, it's easy for us to give you guys boosted APR because for some of these whales, it's actually more profitable for them to go and purchase an NFT on secondary sales than it is for them to get slightly less rewards. Uh, And it drives fun. It drives traffic. It's something to do. It's very, very engaging. And as NFTs are going to become more and more limitless, uh, just having that kind of um, stuff built out now is going to, we believe, going to pay dividends in our growth. That's really interesting. Are you guys doing anything with GameFi at all? Because it just occurred yeah. to me that like a lot, a lot of the the customizable aspects that you're talking about there will be really interesting with GameFi, right? Like if you're so you, on the one hand, you've got the NFT related stuff that you just mentioned, but like if you're you know if your character in the game does an action or gets to a particular level, then maybe you get boosted APR because you're a higher level or whatever. Like these types of things are really interesting. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I do a lot of consulting. I'm finally allowed to announce that like I'm working for Flappy Bird, which is coming back soon, um, which is going to be awesome. And if you nice. guys remember Flappy Bird from 2014. Re- retro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and they're going to have all the GameFi, all the crazy stuff, all the buyback and burn flywheel. But it, instead, it works kind of like the Mr. Beast thing where Mr. Beast earns so much from his YouTube videos and he pours it into his next video, which keeps the marketing money coming in. They're going to take like all of this ad revenue and have it buy the flap token. Like that's an insane flywheel and use that to fuel the yeah, towards well deflationary. So uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're doing all kinds of cool GameFi stuff. If you, I don't know if you guys got a chance to check out, we launched our own gamified launch pad called Outbid a couple weeks ago. We launched our own token on it. We raised $310,000, 108,000 after initial demand dried up through the gamification of jackpots of leaderboards. Um, and everyone said it was the most fun they've ever had on a launch pad. So uh, if we can make crypto fun again, we can. if we can make it easy, then we could bring in the new community that we're going to need to to really, really make this new bull run what we all want it to be. Yeah, and I guess, you know, a lot of the a lot of people who've been here a while have seen all the social traction and stuff dry up over the bear market, which is now, you know, thankfully starting to come back. Um, so it'd be interesting to have a place for new users to go and for you guys to take them through it step by step. One thing... Um, 
I was just I was just thinking about them when you mentioned Flappy Bird. Is I don't know if you remember when uh, they kind of uh, closed. The, there was rumors they was closing the app down, and then people were trying to sell iPhones on eBay for like thousands of dollars more than their actual value because they had Flappy Bird installed. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really interesting. They had a bit of a cult following for a while there, I think. So it'd be interesting to see them making their appearance in Web3. Yeah, uh, interesting. So bo- bonus block, we've not heard from you yet. I don't know if you want to weigh in on any, any of this stuff. Feel free to jump in on any topics that um, that you want to. Uh, yes, of course. I mean, I will start with some intro and then uh, with some deep dive, but super quick. I think the evolution, how we have been acquiring users have been like started with airdrops. And we started with like attracting like messenger users. And this was like the most uh, simplest and most like understandable way of users uh, that you can like onboard them for a short time period. And basically they claim and they sell and it goes away eventually. And then we, in the past years, we saw like a big so-called spike in these Questing platforms uh, like Zealy Galaxy, Quest 10, Tascon, pretty much there's a lot of them. And uh, they emphasized at first like social media growth with NFTs and basic on chain interactions now they support. And uh, still, that results in gamification and also low organic growth. Uh, at the same time, there's low value add because afterwards they have like join your I know, Discord server, they're never going to speak with you uh, or they leave it after the quest is uh, end, has ended. And if you are a project that is being exposed to these campaigns on these platforms, you're still interacting with their user base. You're actually not building your own in your own ecosystem because simply you're not present there. And uh, Bonesbuck tries to basically deliver the seamless experience for uh, as a supporting protocol for uh, onboarding these users, uh, engaging and basically bringing the quality to basically on-chain activity. And the most important part that we're going to be releasing in about a month or less is something that will change the industry itself. Uh, We've been working quite a lot. Uh, Basically, we'll be launching like our AI model for uh, on-chain analysis for wallet. And the marketplace will be used for projects to acquire any type of characteristics of users you need. Uh, for your project and uh, we've been working well a lot we have like about over 100,000 API connections established to different partners uh, also data aggregators smart routing um, balancing so quite a lot of extensive work and now we are just finalizing the AI model and basically yeah uh, testnet live very soon and mainnet I would say end of March and we also are preparing uh, IDEO so thanks interesting uh, yeah you're right about the sometimes low value users acquired through platforms like Zeely and stuff and I, I get it because people are looking for you know any way to engage with users so you know platform um, social teams are going to try and engage with all these platforms Zeely Galaxy and so on uh, but yeah it's about filtering out to get to the users that you actually want so your tool um Sounds really interesting there. So I'll definitely check that out when you guys go live with it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, right? One thing I wanted to ask the panel is where do they think the sweet spot is in terms of a percent of supply for an airdrop? So this has swung around wildly in the last few years where, um, you know, <clears throat> you know, for a while it was like 
be as decentralized as possible, airdrop a crazy amount of your supply. Like I saw one project in um, 2022, I think, did a 65% airdrop, um, which is which was pretty big, as you can imagine. And uh, the airdrop got exploited, and the, the platform didn't do very well after that because the, the exploiter was one single person that had a bunch of civil wallets. And I think they got 60,000 airdrop claims, this one person. Some crazy amount, um, and obviously, that as a result, that basically killed the the demand for the token. So there's obviously a balance in that, right? You want, like we mentioned when we were talking to Cosmos Joe earlier, you want wide token distribution. You want people to participate in governance. You want people to use the platform. You want the education piece. Um, so where where do we think, like Sean? What's your opinion on this? And then and then Eric as well. I'd love to hear your opinion. Is like where is the sweet spot in terms of a percent of supply? Oh man, I don't know. I think I've changed every year when I think about this. <laughs> so you know, probably you guys that put a lot more brain power into this will will have a more accurate, uh, more accurate uh, design. But you know, I I do think that way on the heavier side is probably where I lean, mostly because I think it's very quick. You can turn off your entire community and team from your pro from your application in, in every single way when they just see you know hey there's so much that's going back to the team or back to advisors and if you just itch too close to there then everything you do after just doesn't matter but yeah, i don't know if i'd have a specific percentage or uh red i know you're a big numbers guy uh griff do you guys have a number it, that you're you like just to give an idea are you in like the uh high single digits low two digits like where, where are you oh man I don't know. I'm too scared to answer. <laughs> who's gonna Who's gonna take the bullet first, and I'll, I'll be a job of that. I don't. I don't mind doing it for us. I mean, like we're gonna do. I think I, I, I'd caveat this beforehand that I think it, um, you know, it completely depends on what your product does, whether it's a layer one, like what you're going to need the excess tokens for, um, etc. So it's 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 very product specific. I for us. Um, you know, trying to launch a layer one, trying to incentivize people to come over and use the platform. I think we're going to be on the larger side. We're going to be somewhere between 25 and 40% of our supply is going to be reserved for airdrops. Um, you know, and I mentioned earlier, does that, some of this, does that include, does that include grants as well? Or is that just community airdrops? This is, this is just airdrops. Like you have, um, you know, grants will be done uh, either from the foundation or grants will be done from the community pool. Um, the structure for, for people that aren't too familiar with it, um, when you create a chain in Cosmos, you're able to divert a certain amount of the in chain inflation that happens at each block towards the community pool. So our community pool will be getting seeded with chain inflation. So as as block by block goes past, more and more will get put into the community pool. Um, and that then the community will be able to use that for uh, community grants that it wants to do. And then the foundation will be able to do foundation grants. But giving a away a large airdrop to really reward people that are early users of the chain and early advocators of the chain and people that help educate others on the chain and you know liquidity providers that are taking risk in these in those earlier days 
I think is it's can't be overstated how valuable those participants are. And that's why we want to make sure that we um, we reward them very highly. And then, you know, the, 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 we don't need to keep a huge amount of tokens to one side for ongoing liquidity providers, et cetera, et cetera, because that can get paid from, from chain inflation um, the same way that, say, Osmosis do it, for example. So that's why I've probably flipped reversed from where I was a couple of years ago, where I was probably, you know, it should be much, on the, much more on the lower end. Now I believe that it's extremely valuable to reward people that, that are doing really valuable transactions, particularly at the start of your chain. So that's kind of our perspective on it. I think it's worth putting a price on how much value you're getting for the actions that you're incentivizing. Um, if you're able to get a lot of value from the people that are doing that, and you're like, oh, it is very valuable. Yeah, I'm still going to argue like how valuable. And, and there is a number depending on what you choose to price, Twitter followers, engagement, like how it's going to affect your growth, how it's affecting your raise, all this other kinds of stuff. Um, I personally usually like to see over 50% of the TGE circulating supply in an airdrop, not necessarily, but not like no a specific number fits all for any types of project. Like what if it's a deflationary project, airdrop should probably be lower. What if it's like inflationary, but all of the inflation is going to be going to community members already, then maybe it should be lower because it's the, um, the reserve funds for community pools for grants that might not be getting that level of inflation. It really depends on the global tokenomic structure of the product. But in general, I like seeing the early majority of supply going to airdrops, but also trying to make sure that you can identify how much value you're expecting to give out and how much value you really think that you're able to receive from them. If you can continually do airdrops and continually receive value, then that's something really worth looking into. Agreed. That's really interesting. So we, we have... Sorry, Grivin, just one second. Um, so yeah, so you hear a lot about user acquisition costs and stuff when you look at like traditional cost per click advertising, but you don't hear tons about it in crypto because, you know, CPC was kind of like off limits for crypto for a while. I know like some platforms like Brave and stuff are starting to open up to that now. But but yeah, it's like user acquisition cost is important. And one of the tools that you can use to acquire users is an airdrop. And so that's it's interesting that you should bring that up. But yeah, go ahead, Griffin. Yeah, I would agree with what everybody else is saying. I mean, it depends. And, and similar to what Eric's saying, is you got to look at like the value that each end user is anticipated to get. Um, yeah, I mean, it, what's so funny is watching how the protocols frame this stuff. So like sometimes you'll see protocols that will open up a very, very large percentage of their initial supply um, to airdrops. But um, you look at the stats, and I think it depends, obviously, on the protocol and everything else. But like, you know, you can assume probably like claiming amount is probably going to be. I, I'm I don't know off the top of my head. This is anecdotal evidence, but like somewhere between like thirty and fifty percent, maybe sometimes as low as like ten or twenty. Sometimes it can get a little higher. But like, so what's funny is watching the marketing and the messaging around airdrops in general, because like a lot of teams will say, "Hey, we're going to do like seventy percent of their supply," but really at the end of the day. They're anticipating like only 20% of their initial supply being airdropped. Um, and then you see a lot of protocols like, yeah, obviously playing around with like where their emissions are going. Um, and, you know, sometimes it makes sense and it goes to the community pool, you know, and other things. It's like, 
uh, gets burned or go to stakers. But it's it's really funny watching those different dynamics. So if you are like watching your jobs and, and like the first thing I always say is like, don't get try not to get like suckered by like a really high supply. And then conversely, like don't get suckered by a really low supply. Like sometimes I've seen a lot of protocols actually airdrop, you know, less than 3% of the protocol to participants, but like get really selective on the criteria ends up being a quite a material amount for the end user. So um, that's like, those are kind of the dynamics that I'm, I'm, I'm constantly seeing here on, on that side of things. Um, you know, the other thing too, is like, even sometimes like the protocols that are like airdropping like a lower supply, like I wouldn't be surprised if they like airdrop a second or third or fourth or rolling airdrops in the future. You know, they might say something like, Hey, you know, um, and, and I, I should just, caveat and say wink wink uh, to everybody who's listening out there but um uh yeah we see a lot of a lot of protocols like um you know start with the initial supply because like most of the time these airdrop programs get botted right so like it's a really great filter to just like get out the bots figure out where the bots are coming from um uh and then like remove them from their criteria it's also a great way to filter out like users too at the end of the day so like you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who are going to like probably get the token and sell it right away on the market um, and like really don't want to be involved in the community and things like that. Even no matter what kind of criteria of filtering and activities you ask them to do, you know, for whatever reason, they don't want to be involved in that underlying community. And so I often like encourage people to like revisit the airdrops in general and not do it just on the first um, initiation, but like consider it, um, you know, a second and third or fourth time. Um, and I, I think, um, uh, a couple of the protocols like shade has been kind of doing that and so forth and doing rolling drops. So yeah, the supply stuff, like I, it's so the, the games that are played on that, like I just wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't get bought into like, you know, you know, somebody's doing 50 or 60% or somebody's doing 2%. It really matters about the details behind the scenes. And I, I encourage everybody to do like the research before, like, you know, really diving into the airdrop and, and that kind of thing on their side. I, I'd I'd really agree with that, Griffin. I think the the key thing that you said there is just like the headline number doesn't matter that much. It's more what the end user ends up with at the end of it and what they have to do to get it that is the more important part. And that's where the details come in. Um yeah, definitely. I think that's that's some great insights. Um because the the big headline number can mean a whole lot or it might not mean that much at all. If the criteria for getting it is super strict strict and the they only end up with 10% fulfillment, then, you know, they could have done a 95% airdrop, right? But if 85% of it is unclaimed, then who cares? You know, it's still a 10% airdrop. Um, yeah, I think, so one thing I wanted to ask everybody is, obviously, you know, we've alluded to people using bots and gaming airdrops and stuff. And this kind of gets into the topic of airdrop hunters. So for the audience that aren't familiar isn't familiar with this term which you probably all should be if you're in web3 but <laughs> this is essentially people that you know systematically go from airdrop to airdrop they move liquidity they try and gain the metrics and stuff what i wanted to ask is you know this is a thing that we live with in web3 um do, do airdrop hunters have a place in 2024 and the 2025 cycle or because they obviously provide some value, right? They're cycling volume through platforms. They boost vanity metrics and a bunch of other things initially. Um, they make projects appear successful, which is good. That's kind of what the project wants. Um, but this kind of like systematic harvesting of airdrops, is that something that projects should be working hard to weed out? Or is it something that we can learn to live with? 
I think there's still going to be a massive place for it. Um, yeah, good or bad. Uh, we're in a bull market. You're going to see all of the crazy stuff, all the new toys, all the new rugs, all the new memes come out. And every single one's going to be hyping up an airdrop. And everyone's going to be enticed into Web3 because of free money. And hopefully, we can do a good enough job as a community to educate them to see what's actually being built, what can actually change the world, make a difference, uh, instead of just being burned by vaporware like many, many people have and are over and over again. So there will be a place for it, but hopefully we can move on from that place of it and more into sustainable things where people can understand marketing budgets and understand things in terms of real businesses, which has largely been ignored because it hasn't existed. You know, nobody talked about revenue three years ago because nobody made any. And so if you talked about it, it would, you know, challenge their multi-billion dollar valuations. But as we mature as a space, as we get less bubble and more, um, more value add, more decentralized business growing, I'm, I'm optimistic that we'll be able to create a community that fosters educational material enough to, um, have onboarding the way that stock markets do, but much better because it's actually, you know, available to every person. One of my favorite stories from 2022, and I'm going to butcher the story. So if somebody's actually read it and can remember it, then please jump in. But it was about a guy that had um, recently discovered the space and had decided to leave his job after he managed to get an airdrop that was worth three months of his salary. Um, and I thought that was like a like a hell of an intro to Web three, right? You you know you just like you've just got into the space, you're just playing around with some DeFi protocols, and then you get airdrop three months salary. It's like yeah, that's that's crypto. It can be wild like that sometimes. This was from this was a 2021 uh, kind of like around the, when DeFi had its big big moment. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like revenues and sustainability is the most important thing. And I think as we we go into this cycle. Things like comparing <clears throat> fees earned stuff, which is something that kind of wasn't really done for a while. Like people spoke, people speak a lot about, you know, TVL volume and all this kind of stuff. But I think, you know, real revenue, revenue generating models is going to be something that people are more and more savvy about and more, you know, compare. And I think um, there's a lot of valuations that were super high and in some cases still are super high compared to the actual sustainability of the business and not just. Uh, you know, inflation powered sustainability, which, you know, we, we've all seen for the worse in a lot of cases in the IBC ecosystem and also elsewhere. Um, so, yeah, I think like the, the, the cohort of people that came in, uh, I guess, you know, some of these people would have been considered retail in the last cycle. They're now the experienced DGENs, let's say, uh, as we go into the next cycle. And a lot of these guys, it's my hope anyway that, they look more at you know how many fees a protocol is generating, and that the the protocols themselves get more transparent with this stuff, so that when you're looking at things like airdrops and you know whether or not to hold a token long term, you've got more information at your disposal to choose from. Like what's the you know you can look at these things like businesses rather than just like ab- abstract you know uh, like platforms that generate free money. It's like a, it is un- the underlying like point of this protocol is to generate fees or farm engagement or something else. Um, and that's something that should be considered because I think for a long time, this like awkward elephant in the room was like, okay, all this DeFi stuff's great, but a lot of it's powered by emissions and therefore holding the token in a liquidity pool to generate inflationary returns is not actually that great because then you're just going to get wrecked long-term, right? As the token loses value because they went to market with 1% of the supply in a liquidity pool or whatever, and they still got 99% of the supply to come onto the market for inflation. And this is the kind of thing that I think is 
was was difficult for people to get their head around a little while ago, but I think now there's been enough education and enough bad examples um, that we've seen play out over the last three years to kind of like get some consensus over the best way to move forward. Well, I mean, yeah, everything was about TVL, which was completely vanity metric as nobody earned from it. Um, but we're proving that you can. Instead of putting cash into your mattress, oh. turn it into bonds first, and it makes a pretty darn big difference. So please do <laughs> do check out what we're doing with Astrovault. It's, uh, yeah, we we already have over a million dollars in AUM and assets not that, that are not AXV. Um, and we're yeah, generating yeah, protocol just, earned I'll... liquidity. I was just going to say, um, when you mentioned TVL being a vanity metric, it's like, yeah, it's a vanity metric, but what makes it worse is obviously people count their own token in their TVL a lot of the time. And then if the, the foundation is is doing things on the platform with the token, then it kind of gets, you know, it boosts that whole thing and it becomes a, a uh, dubious proposition to use TVL as the main metric. Well, yeah. And even then people just assume that, oh yeah, you can print your own token. Most people have less than TVL in their own valuations. So I don't know where the rest of the TVL went. It's all, yeah, it's all garbage. You got to get to the underlying business models and they finally somewhat exist. And they're for the most part, very underwhelming because most of what has existed has been propped up on bubbles. But now that we're hopefully moving past that, we can do better. So let's. Well, this is kind of what, what we saw in, um, the dot-com bubble. Um, it's like this whole idea of like, you know, people would launch a website and a sort of some vague plan of how they was going to generate revenue and then they'd launch on a multi-million dollar valuation and then people realized that that was obviously really stupid. Um, and then over the, the years that preceded that, people then realized that they needed proper revenue generation and a real business model to launch an internet company. It wasn't just like a magical fix-all. Um, and so then out of that, like, you know, like getting into the early 2000s and after you get these giant companies that then come out of that and get built because they, there was a lot of, you know, trash that had to get taken out. And then you end up with the large companies, you know, Google, Amazon and so on. Um, and I think that's kind of like the stage that we're in with crypto where there's a lot of people that have solved a problem, but then there's a lot of people that have solved the same problem again in a worse way in a lot of cases. And then there's a lot of people that are solving problems that aren't problems. But over time, I think we'll come out of this with some quite well-run, efficient, revenue-generating businesses. And then uh, the airdrops that people receive from those in the early days might end up being worth a lot because then they've got a really solid protocol. And I think part of the issue is just like as a as a user, being able to pick through some of the different offers that are out there and find out something that really makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think just to, I guess we're coming up to the two hour mark here, so we'll probably wrap it up shortly, but just to end, I think is just a couple of questions. So the first one is, um, if anybody has anything to say to the airdrop, like the people that want airdrops. So these are like, you know, platform users and stuff that they maybe don't know or that they're unsure of with regards to airdrops, like some general points. If there's anything like that that needs addressing. And then the the second thing is if you have any alpha that you want to share about your own platform or about another airdrop that you might be participating in or that you've heard of. So if you want to do bonus block, if you want to go first. Yeah, thanks. I think like in the future for airdrops is and will be connected like um, still it's permissionless way that project can decide what they're going to do. Uh, high quality projects will think of better ways how to better use it 
uh, for the activity and the common good. And lower tier projects will basically do whatever they want. Uh, because again, uh, PIP3, which I like, is permissionless. And at the end of the day, like they can do whatever they want. And definitely the one big part where everybody wants to see uh, the golden rush is in uh, quality users that you can like get them onboarded and you can get them by airdropping something uh, compared to the commitment they have done. But how to how to know that these are like quality users. So that's like the big part in question that we need to uh, solve but uh, yeah that, that is in progress in any case uh, we do have some alpha uh, we will have uh, related things about aero and people are being already doing some things so uh, be active participate in social media uh, we have quite a lot of uh, protocols deployed only once um, be active there and uh, look out for our uh, upcoming ambassador program uh, which is uh, a way to engage. And second part is uh, the marketplace testnet. So that will also be another way to participate. And much more uh, details around like our launch uh, will be in the coming week or two. And yeah, thank you so much. Nice. Uh Good, good, interesting insights there. And I think, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting for community to check that out. So, uh, Mr. Refractor, do you have anything that you want the community to know about airdrops that they maybe don't currently? And also, do you have any alphas to share with? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's always hard to know what's happening. You know, if I was, if I was a user, knowing what I know now, um, having been on the building side, I think always try and understand the incentives and the motiva- uh, the motivations of the team. And I think one thing to always consider as well is, is what jurisdiction the team is in and what their um, legal and regulatory obligations are. And, and these are things that teams can't discuss openly, um, but are, are very much things that will guide decisions on how they do token distribution, um, including airdrops. So, uh, it's, it's definitely something to be to be mindful of in the way that teams communicate with um, communicate with their community. Uh, and then in terms in terms of our project, yeah, like um, you know, we are getting very close to mainnet now um, and our token generation event, which we are excited about. So uh, you know, we we take a policy that we want to be very clear with people about. Um, what the formula is going to be for airdrops. We have one at the moment that, that is that is live, but people can expect quite a few um, to be going live in the not too distant future. So I think people should stay, hopefully can stay tuned for those. And, uh, you know, we, we aim to, um, you know, really make it valuable for the community. And we are going to be trying to push the boundaries on different um, strategies for airdrops that, that haven't been done before. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see. You know, hopefully it lands the way that we that we uh, imagine it will land. But um, 
we are, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to do that. And I think generally in the space, you're going to see a lot of people pushing the boundaries now, points is the latest evolution. But I think people are realizing how valuable it is to get community attention. And there's going to be more and more projects competing for it, which is only a good thing for the communities out there because they're going to get rewarded more heavily um, as, as projects fight for their attention. And, and thanks uh, also, thanks very much generally for hosting the space. I think it's been super helpful today. So, uh, Thanks for having me along to speak. Yeah, thanks for coming, definitely. I think one point you mentioned there about the regulatory stuff is super important. So we had uh, Cosmos Joe on earlier who said that he wasn't a fan of geo-blocking. And honestly, like, I don't think any project is a fan of geo-blocking or any community member. We all want free and open access to the internet and all the things that it contains. Uh, unfortunately, if you... The current situation, I'm, I'm happy to speak on this, is that if you... Um, Regardless of where your DAP's based, so if if your DAP's based out of you know BVI or Singapore or some friendly jurisdiction, if you allow certain jurisdictions, then that could be seen as solicitating um, that jurisdiction to participate, and then that could get you into legal trouble. And so, a lot of legal councils that are working on projects have have basically said geoblock particular areas that are a big issue at the moment in terms of regulation and then later on if things change or things relax you can undo that but it really affects the initial stage because where we are right now in this cycle is like you know a lot of projects are launching and and doing airdrops and a lot of people are geoblocked from those airdrops it's really difficult and you know there's not really a good answer to it to be honest um i've, I've also been advised previously to avoid setting up regional communities you know like a lot of people do they'll translate their content into spanish and uh chinese and uh, other different languages uh where there's like high percentage of uh people um using crypto and the problem with that is then if you go out of your way to set up a regional community then again that's like you know soliciting people to invest in your thing uh, and that's an issue in certain countries so until that changes on a nation state level you'll still see this kind of like tiptoeing around um and trying to comply with in the in the best way possible regulation because it's it's a it's a really difficult space to be in right now because there's uneven regulate regulation in different parts of the world um and there's basically no clarity in a lot of countries either. So something that might right now might be fine, might not be fine next month and so on. Um, and I think this is just all part of being in a new emergent industry. And in five years, then we'll probably have clarity and everybody will look back on this time. It's like, oh, it was crazy that all these things were built when there was basically no rules. Um, but hopefully the clarity that we get is, is for the better. So, yeah, um, I guess people should uh, take that to their crypto friendly politicians ideally <laughs> um cool so eric do you want to continue the uh, the closing remarks yeah thoughts for teams don't get pressured into things that you don't want to do um do crunch numbers but remember that at the end of the day ux is more valuable than you can really put a number on ux is your product and so even if at the end of the day it, most of what you set up for an airdrop is going to be somewhat arbitrary. Make it fun, make it easy, make users enjoy doing it. To the people, stop asking what you can get for free and start asking what you can do to help the projects you believe in, to cater <laughs> and uh, help contribute to become the world that you want to see. 
find some things you believe in um, and help them. And hopefully you do well along the way. If you do actively help them, then it helps your bags as well. Um, but if everybody is extracting value, then the ecosystem is shrinking, not growing. So do try to actively help. And then lastly, um, yeah, if you guys are here and interested in airdrops, do check out the new uh, dashboard thing that Archway is coming up with. And know that AXV will be doing an airdrop to Archway here in the next month and a half or so. And uh, we are open to doing more for other communities, for things like POL um, groups. If you guys are looking, if you're associated with other um, crypto projects and you guys have some liquidity issues or you have the same issue everyone's run into where staking rewards are higher than um, than liquidity APR. And so all of the liquidity is now owned by teams and no community people LP anymore because farming died when people realized that it wasn't profitable. Uh, we fixed it. So uh, please, if you guys need that for your community, hit us up. We're down to do an airdrop, do a liquidity deal, whatever, or just pay you for your liquidity. Because unlike everyone else, we actually earn from it. So, uh, yeah. Eric, you've got, my, you've got my vote when you run for president, my friend. I was just going to say that sounded very presidential. <laughs> ask, ask not what your project can do for you, but what you can do for your project. The man's got a way with words. Another man with good words, if we've got time, Max is... Uh, is is knows uh, so much about this stuff and he'll he's got to have some alpha to leak so max if you feel like coming up yeah i don't see uh max requesting right now but if he is in the audience and he wants to just have some closing remarks there feel free um but yeah melch why don't we go to you well since you were speaking anyway oh man i'd rather not go after eric that one was too good but um yeah, I, I think it's uh, three years just seeing what has come out. I think it's a good reminder that there's there's a lot of trash out there and a lot of dead projects. So I like what what Oscar Bonus Block and Eric was saying is find real users, find teams that are really building, find communities that are feeding those, not extracting from those teams. Uh, you know, and and actually Griffin, I you you enlightened me to a lot of numbers do matter, but uh, look one layer deeper into those numbers. Maybe that exclusivity really helps find people, teams that are designing milestones in uh, or having a lengthy one because you're going to find people that are that are going to stick with it if they really believe in it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited if having the space has opened my eyes to think the next wave of, of bull market or airdrops is going to be designed better. We'll still have the same bull market shenanigans as always, but yeah, it gives me a lot of hope seeing dashboards that are being built, granular uh who are we rewarding with these airdrops how are we getting them to use this to stay on platform i think these are big things when you look at probably all of us that will be staying in this for the long term uh you know that's that's how we're going to get real users and real products real adoption so yeah add one thing i guess it'd be kind of related to what you're saying with the airdrops um it seems to be changing how they're how people are viewing airdrops and how they go about distributing those airdrops and i think it is important to be very strategic as a team and determining who you're trying to um, attract and who that target market is. Um, I think sometimes you might see people, people take too big of a blanket approach um, and therefore you're not really capturing the audience that you're trying to. Um, and I guess part of that is maybe some alphas that I know like what we're trying to work on personally is trying to make it so that not only, you know, right now, but in the future, if someone wants to do an airdrop, um, they're able to kind of assess who the users they want to target are and be able to really like, um, determine what, you know, actions or what type of habits um, they're, they're trying to attract and then really go after those types of users. Um, I think being able to really focus on a, a, a specific set of, of people or demographics um, will make airdrops much more efficient 
and actually achieve the end goal, which is adoption um, of the protocol or application. So I know personally, um, from from the Artrade perspective, there's a lot of different people contributing to building out a platform to kind of help with this um, and really make airdrops a lot more efficient for for new teams trying to get adoption. Yeah, and that's probably a good segue into into Griffin and any any wrapping up comments there and more alpha that you'd like to leak that hopefully marketing will not continue to get mad at you for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or legal. That's the other one. Uh, uh, no, well, first thanks for hosting. Um, and uh you know very much appreciate it. it's hard to follow all the all the great comments here in closing um i'll just kind of follow up with this if, if you're thinking about launching airdrop yourself um or you would love to just like get more involved in airdrops and things like that feel free to dm me i think my dms are open um i've gone through this many many times uh, this experience and so forth and um, it's always changing it's always evolving there's always new things but if you're just looking for extra help or support um uh, my DMs are always open to to help with that. So feel free to reach out if you'd like to. Awesome. Um, something that Mel's just said then, which I just wanted to uh, tap back on, I think somebody else mentioned it earlier, is the milestone-based airdrop vesting. I really like that. Um, and the teams that I work with, I'll probably mention that approach in the future. So I think that's a really great way to to build this in. So the vesting is not guaranteed. It's based on performance of the DAP, and therefore it's more like a success metric than it is anything else. So I think that's that's really powerful, uh, and I think that I would encourage other teams that are building to use that as well. Um, so Trev, do you want to go ahead, wrap up for us? Give us any alpha you've got. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if I have any alpha. I, th- I think plenty has been spilled up here. Uh, but I'd like to thank you for for being part of bringing bringing Cosmos together and also other ecosystems together because I know that you know that it's been fragmented for a long time. It's still fragmented, but I, I can see us progressively coming together more and more every single day, um, which is which is great, right? Uh, and in terms of the airdrop conversation, you know, I, I'm not doing an airdrop, <laughs> um, but you know, I've been around in this space long enough. Um, to know that we <laughs> thumbs down. <laughs> oh, that's so savage. But but you know, I love what was set up here because you know it's not about it's not about me or anybody up here. It's about us collectively, you know, building the frontier and getting to where uh, we need to go. You know, we're building all these new systems to replace the old ones that are archaic and entrenched and yada yada yada. You've heard it here, you know, uh, a million times for me and other people. Uh, and, and airdrops are a good way to engage people. So if you are doing an airdrop, always think about it in terms of, I would say, focused intent. Uh, go to market. It's not a joke. You need to do it. You need to know who your users are. I've seen teams raise $10 million, airdrop to a bunch of, you know, just a blanketed airdrop. And then they they, they, they don't get their the result that they want. And it's because they didn't hire like a head of business. <laughs> like we need to focus more on the business side. We need to stop thinking about uh, these, these actual game breaking companies and technologies as not, not as projects. I, I still say projects and it, it, it kills me when I say it. Cause I'm so used to saying it. We're not projects. These are companies. We need to start thinking about them in the context of companies and build the business side just as strong as the tech side. Because even if the tech is great, doesn't matter if the business side doesn't really stand on its own and the legal doesn't stand on its own. So think about it from a legal perspective, a business perspective, user acquisition, user acquisition cost perspective, 
and and really think about you know long term what you really want to do, and then kind of work your way back from there from an airdrop perspective. Who am I airdropping to? Why? Always ask yourself why. So that that's kind of my last parting words here. Um, I don't know if that stands against some of the other <laughs> really awesome closing remarks up here. Not uh, you know, no, that's but, awesome, but always ask why. That that's awesome, man. That that really uh, speaks to some of the points that have been said here, and I think I I agree with you. People need to take it seriously. It's uh this space uh is still maturing, and so the the attitudes and the the approach to doing business is still maturing. And I think as we go into like uh the next cycle, I think there'll be a lot of winners and losers, and I have a sneaking suspicion that the those that are the most organized and the most prepared and gain this out in the most detail will be the ones that succeed in the long run. Um, of course, there will be some dog coins that blow everything else away, I'm sure, and uh, you know they make all the teams that really try hard look like idiots because you know some dog coin pulls a thousand x or frog coin or whatever we get next. Um, but for those of us that building serious DeFi projects um yeah organization and uh really getting into the detail is key so um i guess uh, the last speaker then is red eye bear if you want to go ahead wrap us up yeah i just want to say this has been a great conversation really glad i got to come here and represent shade protocol um i think with um you know, using Eric's example of, you know, what they're doing with uh, Outbid and what Archway is trying to do to uh, gamify airdrops. <clears throat> it's really cool um, looking at where kind of the airdrop space is, has changed in the past few years and how people are continuing to learn from it. Um, obviously, Shade is outside of its airdrop phase. So, you know, a lot of what we're doing is looking retroactively or retrospectively about like, you know, what we can do or what we could have done better and, you know, how we can potentially, um, you know, use those lessons learned going into the future. But yeah, it's um, really awesome that people are continuing to further, like really drill down on how you can make the most out of these token generation events and distributing uh, tokens because eyes are going to be coming to crypto yet again as this market shifts from a bear to a bull. So really appreciate the the time and space here today. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. And for all our guests, um, in case you attend these spaces in future, if you have time commitments, feel free to just drop off. Just let us know. Um, these spaces, they always run super long. We get bogged down with topics and sight little, you know, chasing rabbits off down side tunnels and stuff as we pursue the main agenda. And that's good though, right? Because for people that are listening, it's entertaining. It allows us to explore points in detail. But just in the future for you guys, if you have time commitments and calls and stuff, everybody's super busy. So no drama if you need to go. Um, but thank you all for attending. For all the um, guests on this space and for everybody in the audience here, if you uh, give us a like and a retweet and follow our speakers, these the speakers on this space are some of the the key players in the IBC ecosystem and beyond. And so following them will probably get you some great insights, may even get you some alpha from time to time, although I'm not promising anything on that. Um, I guess the legal departments would disagree, but... But hey, yeah, thanks for coming, guys. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for episode six. Like I said, we may be going to weekly at some point, but for now, we're going to stick to the two-week cadence. And, and for anybody that's going to ETH Denver, which is coming up, have fun. And uh, yeah, cool. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Catch you all later.
Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and plate Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear, flexing broken knots I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting knots And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning, forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality Teeth stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is played for keeps Clowns, white knight and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community all these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Terror spaces.